0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Survivor Talks. In this episode, I am joined by guest Joe Greed to speak about sexual violence in brown communities. As always, there is a trigger warning at the start of each episode in the description as we recount survivors' experiences, rape culture, and mental health, along with many other triggering topics. If at any point you need to take a break or stop altogether, please do so. Hi, everyone.
1: My name is Jagri, and I'm a digital marketer and social architect. Um, I intersect my backgrounds in arts professionalism, criminology, and the humanities um, to try and create programming that examines and unpacks social inequities. Mm -hmm. So my work right now um, mostly tries to bring to the forefront critical issues and stories that are central to themes such as domestic violence, sex education, intergenerational trauma, and the many facets of patriarchy. Of course, thanks.
0: That's great. Yeah, so Jagri and I have known each other for since like 2019, I want to say, like before COVID hit, because I was Mm -hmm. a writer for himut.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: and here we are again today, recording a podcast titled Let's Discuss the Problem of Sexual Violence in Brown Communities. So we have lots to unpack here. We all know there's so much love that comes from brown people in our community, but from those rights, also comes with a lot of wrongs. Sexual violence in brown communities can continues to be a stigmatized and shameful conversation to discuss with elders and any family member you may have. And victims and survivors of sexual assault are usually the ones to carry their experiences with them by being silent about it, from things like victim blaming, not having control over their bodies, the patriarchy, and obviously toxic masculinity and femininity, all the, all the down to things like enabling predators and creating a predator-finding Predator friendly environment and the struggles of language. We really have a lot of things to discuss here. agree what was the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about survivors and victims who are struggling in silence with their experiences, all because some auntie or uncle blamed her for it, shamed her for it, and told her to keep her mouth shut to prevent any drama and protecting the family name?
1: I want to say the entire weight of the world is on that woman's shoulders. um when something is violent and i think violating a sexual assault occurs in somebody's life and happens to them the last thing you need is somebody telling you to shut up about it um as i think women we are you know we can we can talk about women in general but you know speaking within the context of brown communities the first thing that's apparent is you know, within the birth cycle and the life cycle is, is it a boy or is it a girl? Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's usually the first question. And when it's a girl, um, the reaction tends to be a lot less stressful and joyful um, on the arrival of, a, of, of even a woman within the world. Um, that itself is so morose. And I think it speaks to a a larger kind of theme that develops throughout her life, Um, regardless if she's in South Asia or if she's in Canada or in the States or somewhere else, this cultural notion that women are inferior to men um, is already apparent before she's even born. Um, So when you grow up constantly being police, constantly being, uh, you know, not really having autonomy over your own body or even awareness mm-hmm. of your own body, because it's so censored when it's deeply violated and that's still ignored. Um, it can, it can cause a lot of, a lot of, you know, internalized oppression within that person um, and manifest in, in, in many, many, many different ways that are harmful for that person. So you know, the first thing that I think of is, yeah, the weight of the world's on her shoulders. But also, how do you even begin to trust the people around you, much less yourself, when you're not in an environment where you can share uh, such gross violations that have happened to you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... This is such a common theme, like like you mentioned, how the second you're born, boys are different, um, treated differently, and girls are treated differently. Um, boys tend to have this very carefree lifestyle. They're not really policed for their actions. No one really asks them where they're going, what time they're coming home, and whether you know, as it's in it, the girls' shoes, is totally different. It's like where are you going? What time are you going to be home? Why are you wearing this? Why are you doing that? Um, so, yeah, like you said, our bodies are controlled, our life is controlled on a daily basis, and when it comes to survivors and victims who are struggling in silence with their experiences, um, like you stated, it's like the whole world piece upon them just because a lot of our family members, especially with elders, they're not really familiar with how to deal with um, someone who is disclosing, like, a sexual assault experience to them. Um, but a common theme I've also picked up on is that predators predators' mental health is more protected than survivors' mental health. And why do you think that's the case? Absolutely.
1: When you think about how you know brown women kind of carry ourselves throughout the world, unfortunately, even if you look at you know second generation people like ourselves who are kind of the first people to be, I guess, far removed from the you know origins of our cultural basis like I'm talking about Pakistan anywhere in India anywhere in Fiji all the way to Cambodia you know like the whole South Asian region essentially being violated you know in in a way such as sexual assault that's just one part of it when you add in the whole honor system and how women unfortunately for some reason have to carry all of the family honor on our backs there is so much there's so much more that we have to deal with and unpack before we even get to our hurt and to understand and and heal from what has happened on our own um, so when we really look at for example um, males even being more protected than females it makes so much sense because going back to this this patriarchal notion that essentially we don't exist and we are inferior that creates a a a type of inequality hierarchy that that essentially you know dehumanizes who we are as people fact of the matter is is a male's opinion is going to matter more than a female's opinion guaranteed the male apparently runs the household the male gets to call the shots we are so central and so focused on the male gaze uh the male opinion um the male being kind of the central essentially to to everything Mm -hmm. to the point where females needs aren't even met day to day um there's so much internalized oppression that's there that it makes so much sense that we enable males to do what they do because they're already not there are already no actions for what they do um you know in the dating realm like we joke about things that are you know like dating brown guys and how like is he the type of brown guy who still has his mom washes underwear like that Mm -hmm. is the thing that we all talk about because funny or not fact of the matter is is like there are a lot of brown guys out there who still get their mom to wash their underwear they don't pick up a dish they don't do this they don't do that those habits that are ingrained come from inter just generations doing this stuff and just being complicit in the onus and the burden always being on the women so of course in this context why would it be any different you know I know that's a really that that's a really I guess comical way of putting it but in reality that's exactly it like we don't put social responsibility on our males to adhere and conform to practices that are safe practices that are rooted in empowering everyone practices that are you know rooted in feminism (laughs) you look at feminism in South Mm -hmm. Asia right now and and you know feminism and brown culture it's not apparent in in many many ways there's a feminist resistance that is emerging through the arts most definitely but it's only really gained momentum in like the last couple years um, so we have a lot of work to do, I think, but it's, it, it's, it's because of a larger culture.
0: Yeah, girl, we got lots of work to do. Um, Cause oh, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> have obviously from our, probably from our own experiences we've seen firsthand how um, there's like that lack of accountability towards men and like you've, just going to use your underwear situation again, how they, there are dudes out there who are probably in their late thirties and their forties, and they still have their mom cooking for them, cleaning for them. And it ties into a lot with the gender roles, which is what we're going to be talking about now. Um, Do gender roles have anything to do with sexual violence? Absolutely. Um,
1: And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a broader conversation. Um, because I don't want to negate the fact that there are also males who go through sexual assault. I think patriarchy has has a lot to do with it because gender roles essentially come from the way that our culture has established itself, which is to be a patriarchal culture. But basically anybody who is not like a 30 to 40 year old South Asian male does not call the shots, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if you are not you know, the father or the grandfather or the eldest son or, you know, the only son. You Essentially, you live under the rule of, of, of people who really, you know, have learned from generations before them to continue controlling things the way that they the way that they do. And that includes policing a woman's body, as you said, like, what time are you going out? What time are you coming home? Um, essentially we've created a society that is so unsafe for women and then we have put the onus on women to keep ourselves safe when in reality there is no way that we can keep our safe ourselves safe outside of the house and in the house 24 7 Mm -hmm. you know because we have not created systems whether they're you know social systems cultural systems you know individual mindsets Um, because we're such a collective culture, our own individual mindsets and our own, you know, self-reflection struggles against that collective culture of this is the way and this is the way that it's going to be. Um, So when you do have, you know, people in roles where um, there's one group of people who are essentially doing, carrying more of the day-to-day load than another group of people, um, you get that power imbalance regardless. And 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 the, the group that's deemed inferior will always suffer more. Um, and that can be applied to the way that gender roles are looked at in brown communities as well.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, one thing that we're obviously discussing a lot is patriarchy, which we'll get into a bit later. Um, and again, just like the double standards with the gender roles and how men are differently and how women are treated differently. And in terms of like rape culture, With the victim blaming, the slut-shaming, and the harassment, the stalking. Do you think there's been progress made to dismantle rape culture in that community and as a society as well? And for women who have been harmed by sexual violence to be seen as humans who also deal with emotions, experiences, and external turmoil rather than just being seen as sexual sex?
1: I think there is some work that's being done right now that is phenomenal and monumental. However, it's not happening fast enough. Mm -hmm. Um, There are not enough people on board working in this field for about 10 years now I'm, I'm definitely seeing a lot more uprising now but when you see the counter attacks and the counterculture that literally is threatened by the existence of whatever Me Too movements are happening within you know micro communities within you know South Asian communities you can see that you know there is still a lot a lot of work to do. We haven't even begun to. Do, we haven't even begun to discuss like queer rights and, mm-hmm. and you know, folks who are trans and brown and 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 how that intersects. When you just look at the way, you know, women's issues around domestic violence and rape culture are even viewed and dealt with right now, there's absolute silence. And if there is an uprising, there is this counterattack, um, and complete you know complacency. And this constant onus on women to have to, like, re-traumatize ourselves and re-share our stories just to be made felt valid
0: mm-hmm. about what
1: we've been through. That includes, you know, the one big thing that's emerging is, you know, sexual assault in Gurdwaras, you know. Um, if you don't know what a Gurdwara is, it's, it's a Sikh temple of, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a place of holy congregation, religious conge- congregation for, for the Sikh community. But it extends so much further than that. Like, there are so many stories now that are also emerging of young children, girls and boys, who are molested by family members in their own home. And what ends up happening is that these children, because they have not been really taught what, you know, how to label their own body parts, um, they do not how to discuss, you know, being violated to their families. And, and if they do, like you know, there's so much out there in terms of people coming out with their stories and saying, you know, my parents didn't believe me or my mom told me to be quiet. Or my mom said this happens to everyone, you know, not mm-hmm. just you. Like, how does somebody, regardless of their child, a teenager, whenever it does happen, how, how do you, how do you gain support? How do you even learn to trust yourself and those around you? When these things are happening in systems that are so integral to your community, you know, you go to the Gurdwara, that's a very, very common practice for people. And, you know, your parents are dropping you off to to learn more about Sikhi in these classes and and bam, this is what's happening to you. You're at home, you know, your parents are telling you, you know, you'll, you'll be safe at home, you'll be protected. And that's where it happens. We aren't doing enough to equip our children to empower them to truly, truly, truly protect their safety and protect their um, autonomy, their physical autonomy. Uh, and that comes from the fact that we're constantly policing women's bodies. We're constantly policing each other's bodies, the way that we act, the way that we speak, the, to the point of the gossip, right? Like I think we're mm-hmm. in the world that still is like, what will people say to everything, you know? Yeah. And so it becomes more about what people will say than actually fighting for justice. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> it's a much.
0: big mess. Um, I want to just bring it back to what you were saying earlier about how there's more people, um, more victims survivors recently who are coming forward. This it, it does have a lot to do with the Me Too movement, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, when well that launched way back, I think in the 2000s, but it recently started being used with the Harvey Weinstein case, um. Yeah. And then um, with the Me Too movement and with the Times Up movement now, um, people are taking advantage of these movements and the hashtags and sharing the story. But it's not just that. I feel like there's a whole huge like a chain reaction. Like when we see someone who shared their story and their experiences on social media, especially like on Twitter. I feel like Twitter is a pretty common place for people mm-hmm. to um, discuss like what they've been through. Um, other people, other victims and survivors may see that and they're like, oh well, you know, this person shared the story. Why shouldn't you and I? And it's I wanna just talk about the recent India, um, the recent um, case in India that happened um, about a week ago with the fourteen year old boy, the twenty year old sick woman, because um, there's a lot of discussion about that on on Twitter. And people were being incredibly rude and disgusting. And I remember when I was scrolling through my feed, there was like videos of it, and I know there's a lot of um, activists in Surrey. Um, who were resharing the video were reposting the video were quoting the video and I was like this is not right you know Um, there's that lack of trigger warnings that was there which grossed me out because it's like if we want to talk about like sexual violence let's center our um, victims voices right and there was a lot of people who who were affected by sexual violence who were speaking out Um, I was one of them I know there was a few other Twitter users that followed our speaking about it. Some of them had trigger warnings, some of them didn't. And it was just like that call for action where it's like, why are we jeopardizing um, people, sensitive peoples who have ex- probably experienced this um, and further re-traumatizing them. And there's like that back and forth debate about whether or not um, graphic content should be shared. Um, and it just kind of ties it back into how um, if we share proof, we're still not believed go, so, well, you turned down, um, a boy. Why didn't you say yes? But it's like, if we don't share proof, then it's like, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? so it's a lose lose situation. If we have proof, we're damned. If we don't have proof, we're still damned. And there's never like yep. a win situation for victims of, um, of sexual violence and these safe spaces that we're talking about, um, in these online, in these online community, um, you know we always hear in the media by the governments how they're trying to create like better approaches to tackle sexual violence even though i have seen like zero approaches to it in like the past few years um but like how are we protecting like children from predators behind closed doors like in our own households you know there's always discussions about not taking this alley and not taking the street and uh, going out this time at night and to make sure you don't talk to random strangers online but how are we making sure that the safe space inside your own home
1: we need to, the thing with the thing with our collective culture and this isn't just brown communities but this mm-hmm. is like just worldwide we need to shift away from policing each other into creating spaces that are truly harm harmless and when i say that i mean When you look at, for example, Punjabi, the Punjabi language, we don't have colloquial words for physical anatomy. Like Uh there is not a word out there for like a woman's nipple. There's not a word out there for like a woman's clit. And so what ends up happening is because there's no language around these things, that's not That's not, it's not, it's not a coincidence that there is no language around these things. Our language directly reflects our culture, which doesn't want it to make it easy to even talk about these things. When you don't have language about something, you automatically make it taboo. You automatically make Mm -hmm. it unknown. And so what ends up happening is because these children do not have the language, how are they going to have the bodily autonomy or awareness to even start the process of of the the mental and emotional process of having autonomy over their bodies you're being told not to do this um, not to do that how are you supposed to protect mm -hmm. yourself when you don't even know what these body parts are you know what they do yeah
0: and and definitely that's the thing with like our community is that we don't know how to have conversations about consent um rape culture patriarchy and sexual violence and especially with our elders I personally this is my personal experiences um as an indo-fijian some Mm -hmm. of them do know what rape sexual assault and sexual harassment is because i've come across like tons of undies who actually speak about this um no this doesn't mean that they still believe survivors and they'll do anything to protect their their family members if accused of such a crime but in your community um, you know, you mentioned how you have to like walk around in circles and beat around the bush or try to explain what it means when women don't have control over their sexuality and bodies. And mm-hmm. how do you, how do you explain it to people, like to your elders or to your family members that these issues exist?
1: I'm just really open now. And I think that just has to come from 10 years of just being super barred mm-hmm. by all of this. But I also get into a lot of shit for being the way that <laughs> um you know growing up my mom I grew up with you know six six brothers like you know one actual brother five cousin brothers and when we grew up going to the gurdwara I remember they were allowed to wear shorts and I wasn't and mm-hmm. it made no sense because we were in July in the blistering heat and you know that was what I used to wear in the heat you know basketball shorts they weren't mm-hmm. they weren't booty shorts they were <laughs> basketball shorts going if we're going to talk about the length of my shorts they were under my knees and i remember that you know there were there were women in the gurdwara who used to tell me and i remember my mom did when i was younger too like don't wear shorts in the gurdwara
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: not saying that to the boys you know and so when we look at these things we see how subconsciously you know that policing as you're as you're growing older does really affect how you view things and and how you speak on them for me now working in this field and and you know with my background in criminology like you get very I think you get very normalized to things like sexual assault when when you're when you're in in the field that I'm in mm-hmm. and so what ends up happening basically is that what well, on my end I just destigmatized it by just bringing it up whenever you know Um, It's not something that I feel like we need to have like a introductory conversation to if something's wrong, then it's wrong. And if my elders can't see that, my elders don't deserve to speak to me, they don't deserve to have access to me, but because it has to start somewhere, it has to start with somebody, you know, these conversations need need to happen. And if we're not willing to butt heads with people a little bit, uh, to really start to change the way that they think. Um, we're playing it too safe We're 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 essentially not you know you have to butt heads a little bit to create change um, and so these conversations do need to start happening we do need to start telling our elders that this stuff is wrong we do need to start calling out things like sexual violence and domestic violence we need to stop putting the onus on the women to stay with the man because you know because of the kids or because of the shared mortgage the this the that mm-hmm. We need to stop putting the onus on women to essentially, you know, deal with just being victimized by somebody and tormented by somebody constantly. When we see our mothers, you know, and I'm sure this is the same in the Fijian community. Well, in the, in, in the temple, the first thing you'll hear is the gossip about who got beat up by who you know, who's having marital mm-hmm. problems, yeah. who's going to get a yeah. divorce, and who's to blame? Always the woman, right? She should know better. She should know, oh, he has anger problems. Oh, you know, she should know how much salt to put in the sub Like, these trivial <laughs> things that yeah. shouldn't, at the end of the day, matter, are, are, are just life or death situations sometimes for women, and we don't understand that because we turn everything into a, excuse my language, a fucking circus, you know? And so the conversation has to, it has to emerge from quite frankly, out of nowhere, out of the blue, in my opinion, and it needs to start being normalized. If we don't start normalizing, um, you know, speaking about, you know, the, the health and safety of, of women, if we don't, if we don't consistently talk about this and demand better, better, we're never going to get better. We're just going to be stuck in the same cycles. So we need to do what we can to raise awareness um, and to really break these cycles.
0: Yeah, it's all about education, but sometimes education may not always be um, the right way. I know um, there are ways that we can educate people without them being ignorant and selfish, mm-hmm. and they may not want to learn about constant sexual violence, right? I know in my family, um, every time I call someone out for a sexist, misogynistic, or sexually inappropriate comment, my body does get scared because very male-dominated patriarchal family. Um their lives revolve around alcohol. It's um you know, they do like harass women a little bit, sometimes they'll tease their wives and go talk to another woman just to like get them on their nerves or whatever. That's a common theme that happens in in my community, and I'm sure it probably happens in yours too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, um but yeah, what are some ways we can educate them without them being ignorant and selfish? because I know um a lot of people have like this really stone like mindset where it's like if they have a mindset that they know it's always gonna be a woman's fault. Nothing is going to change that, right? They're gonna argue, the, argue with you all you want, no matter how much you're educating them. It's gonna to get to a point where you're gonna get tired. So you have to like protect your mental health. You have to set your boundaries. But Absolutely. yeah, there's a way that we need to work around educating our elders or relatives or family members um, and on helping like a woman's issues. Sometimes I think it has to come with just being consistent. Mm
1: -hmm. I think it's really important for us to live the lives that we feel is right for ourselves. um, And stick with that. You know, somebody can be chirping you, you know, they're going to be chirping you anyway, when you think about Mm -hmm. it, right? It's, It's what you've been saying, like, they, you know, people can say what they want. And at the end of the day, we have to choose ourselves and we have to choose to be able to live our lives the way that we feel are most fulfilling and most safe for us. And I'm not talking about just physical safety. I'm talking about emotional safety and mental safety as well. No, you sharing what you have shared about your family. And I'm so, so privileged to be able to hear that. Thank you so much for sharing. It seems like there is a lot of antagonization of women by men, right? To give in to mm-hmm. stop resisting, to do what they want you yeah. to do, to remain in that inferior position. While you were speaking about, you know, being scared, I completely understand that because I have been through that, you know, when there's a sexist joke, when there's, mm-hmm. you know, um, an anti-Black joke, when there's when there's a, um, you know, when when you're seeing a woman be essentially treated really badly, there's complacency around that. There's a, oh, whatever, you know, she'll figure it out and the silence has to stop with us you know um, there's if, if there's something going on for example between a couple in in a in a larger brown family it is very very common for the one person or two people who are actually supporting the woman to also further be stigmatized And so we tend to stop ourselves from like getting involved or anything because we're like, we don't want to be stigmatized. We don't want to be seen as somebody Mm -hmm. like helping the woman or whatever and so forth that it may be, but it has to stop with us. We have to be able to be authentic to ourselves and we have to be able to kind of like push the culture and tell it to fuck off a little bit Mm. to, to, to gain some, you know, sense of self, some, some peace of mind. The, the the worst thing that you can do is be complicit and be stuck in it and I know that's really 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 scary to you know remove ourselves from this but the biggest thing is just when when you start to do that you start to also support people who are doing that so the biggest thing is also like building yourself and building a community that's reflective around that so you have a counterculture that's starting to emerge within your micro micro communities you know uh, that's the biggest thing. And I'm not seeing that on Twitter. I'm not seeing that in, you know, any organizations or foundations that are, you know, centric towards, you know, South Asian mental health or any of that. There's no true, like, resource out there on body autonomy for women. You know, yeah. there's, there's nothing out there. And it just baffles me because how are you going to start doing that? How are you going to start build that building that awareness for yourself? Like, there's so much education out there for men to be like, don't sexually assault a woman you need like just basic ass shit that constantly is being regurgitated out there you know but where but where are the resources for women where are the resources for women who are going through domestic violence culturally now a woman let's say who is part of the chinese culture may have different social you know obstacles for her to get out of that situation compared to a woman let's say from pakistan compared to a woman from the philippines we don't have culturally sensitive material we don't have material that is um you know adequately translated into different cultures and then distributed within you know their micro communities to educate the women on how to get out of this shit how to support themselves how to name their nipple in their language you know and the culture that we create purposely wants to make it difficult and uncomfortable and confusing for that woman to just stay so I'm seeing a lot of resources out there for men like don't do this don't do that and a lot of it's somehow targeted to women to like teach our men not to do this shit but at the end of the day there needs to be more resources out there for women to, to remove ourselves from these situations these toxic ass situations you know Um, And so that's something that I'm a big, big, big proponent of I will always be, you know, um, behind anything when it comes to um, educating and empowering women programming that does that and I'm not just talking about women like, of course, trans, trans women are included in that like the LGBT community is also included in that, because there are groups in our society that are so marginalized, that they've had to kind of create their own communities in order to survive.
0: Yeah, I think everything. Point.
1: Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad.
0: Again, just, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, um, Thank I think part of these kind of things. Um, I know for me, I grew up watching a lot of Bollywood. I'm sure maybe people in your family grew up watching a lot of Bollywood. And Absolutely. there's a lot. Yeah, and not even just like Bollywood, but probably just just like brown movies in general. Um, yeah. <laughs> And in any sort of comedy movie, like i want to well, this guy's pathetic as hell. Every one of his movies I watched watch in the past,
1: again,
0: yeah, they inappropriate jokes in their, every movie he's in. Um, and what you find is comedy movies with your family, and when there's like harassment, or that's like a controlling woman, or there's some kind of like really bad. Some kind of sexual, there. it's laughable, right? And I think it's just the Bollywood interest plays a factor for rape culture. Um, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, if you look at you know, I want to take it back to kind of 90s Bollywood because yeah. I i'm a 90s kid i was born in the i was Mm -hmm. born in the mid 90s so i guess kind of a 90s kid but um if you would even take a look i remember there was this one film i think i was watching it probably in the early 2000s to be honest on b for you like atn very typical thing Mm -hmm. for a brown kid and i remember there was this one movie i believe it was amir khan and karishma karishma kapoor and me as like maybe like an eight to ten year old kid, I still remember that there was this one very, very horrifying scene in this movie where Garish Makapur's character, basically the storyline to be to be very, you know, I'll give a really quick synopsis about it is she, Garishma Makapur's character was not basically, um, she wasn't happy with the advances, the sexual and romantic advances of Amra Khan's character um so Mm -hmm. i think there was a little bit of like a uh tussle between them um and uh he was very insulted by her telling him to basically fuck off and i think she was on a girl's trip or in a hostel or something like that and he broke into her hostel and i think he started wrestling with her on her bed while she was sleeping something like that and i still remember in the scene he was like aren't you glad that i didn't rape you like, that was his answer. Oh and Krishna, character was so happy that he didn't rape her, that she fell in love with it. Like, these are the films that we grew up with in the 90s. Yeah. Now we extend it to our homie, Akshay Kumar. <laughs> <We> <laughs> take a look at this guy and his films. Like, even if you look at, like, the dances in the 90s, like, he'd have no problem kind of like, you know, the choreography. What is it? You're slapping the girl's ass. Yeah. You're her hair. It's very, very sexual right it's sexually mm-hmm. aggressive which is fine maybe some people like that right and and, and and i mean who am i to say anything about about anybody's sexual nature however when you're doing that in a song in a film um, in this context there is no, you know there is a power dynamic and a power struggle there because you do not see like the female like the bollywood actress mm-hmm. doing similar stuff Within her dance moves, you know? No. You're kind of just seeing the dance moves. Just You're just seeing it cross that boundary into violence. But you're not seeing that reciprocation within the women, you know? And people are allowed to do whatever they want in bed. Absolutely. that This is, like, so beyond that comment. This is more so that we're, we're seeing these subliminal messages in everything in Bollywood movies. It's not just the rape jokes. It's not just the storyline. It goes down to the choreography, you know? Yeah. When you have that within your cultural system, now you can see Bollywood like that is almost as big as Hollywood because it, Bollywood has so many fanatics throughout the world. Like the second religion, biggest religion in India is probably Bollywood. let's be honest. But mm-hmm. if this is what you're, you're, if this is what is presented to you and you're consuming this constantly, you, and if there's such a lack of sex education within your country, this is where you're gonna seek your information this is where you're going to think it's okay to do these things, you know? Um, so Bollywood has a, and you know, like now we look at, for example, item songs. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, many, many people have gone into the discussion of item songs way more intellectually than I will ever be able to, to be honest. But you're seeing that power imbalance within those item songs as well. You're seeing like, you know, you're listening to the lyrics and the lyrics say what, um, you know, What's the point of being drunk if you know I'm not around with you? Like these are <laughs> these are the lyrics, you know. Like I'm listening to yeah. up, like, <laughs> what you know? But you, the but the beat slaps, so it's fine, right? And Nora Fatehi looks hot, so it's fine. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's it's not. Yeah. It's really not because there the, the level of like respect and again body autonomy. Like your body's just out there as a show um you're it's it's meant to just be gazed upon 24 7 it's meant to be policed 24 7 it's meant to be touched uh without consent 24 7 when when that within the films that you're seeing and the media that you're consuming it's bound to it's it's absolutely bound to be ingrained in your society as well because it already is because these are the values Mm -hmm. that are being pushed back at you it's like this it's like this vicious cycle right like this is how women are supposed to behave that you know the men can touch them however the however they want they can tell them whatever the hell they want to do um you, and, and that's emerging on your screen and that that message is being re-delivered to you it's being re-solidified in your brain you know um so there's definitely like a Bollywood I would say is very very reflective of how India's culture is really already like Um, And Pakistan's like that too. Like you look at like Pakistani dramas. I've watched so many, and I'm just like, why does the girl have to struggle so hard? Like first of all, she don't Mm -hmm. want to marry this guy, and and now (laughs) she has to like please her mother-in-law, who is like out to stab her all the time, and her husband's like out frolicking with whoever in the office, you know, and she's at home crying, just trying to like live her life and like just exist with at least a little bit of peace of mind. So you're seeing like you know if if. Pakistan's culture is very very different from India's for sure but you're still seeing similar things of females being mentally emotionally physically brutalized and and that's a very central theme to so much content that comes out
0: yeah um I wanted to tell the item songs you're talking about with Nora Fatehi <laughs> um because like music video that you like see I know like a lot of uh, brown songs that pop up my on Instagram like trapped in a cage or something and there's a bunch of like staring at her very hungrily very sexually um and it was just so disturbing I was like what the hell am I watching right now um but yeah Bollywood has a major problem, but they're definitely yeah. no different from Hollywood as well. Like if you look at the way Hollywood definitely. enables a lot of predators in the industry, mm-hmm. from like Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. there's James Franco, um, these popular actors, um, yeah, Bollywood's no different. Like look at Salman Khan, this guy literally abused like Ashwarya Rai. I'm pretty sure she was like removed from a film with um, and then I think yeah. Ronnie Mukherjee was. Forgot the movie's name, but um, I think the backstory was come on set, and it was like creating chaos and put her a lot of Dane put her in a state of Dane. You know, they let her go, which yeah. is how doesn't produce Zee Ben contribute to like this rape culture. And speaking yeah. of India and the community, um, cat is always on my twitter there's always something to do with caste something to do with religion that ties in with sexual violence um do you think that caste has a lot of violence as well or even religion absolutely this has been when you when, when you look at you
1: know the caste system and we're not talking about india we're talking about the the entire empire like pre-1947 yeah. very 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 ingrained you know um historically it's 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 been ingrained for for thousands of years basically since patriarchy started right um as india kind of moved into i don't want to say a military culture because there were a lot of foreign invaders who would you know come into different regions of india and they would pillage and what they would do what would they do uh besides pillaging rape it right mm-hmm. um rape and pillage is a very 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 common word or, or sorry uh, you know, expression that you know describes what militaries and and essentially tribes of people did to each other for a very long time, um, and that's kind of translated for sure um, in India as uh, the caste system. You have people who are literally making themselves more. I guess of a better word more important than other people through a social hierarchy that's bullshit like you have no control over it you're born into whatever you're born into you know and there's a system this 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 system of subsets where it the lower you go on the list the less your life matters when stuff like that incurs and exists of course one group is going to think that they can dominate another because they think they mm. they matter more, they know better. They're they're just better. When you have that type of flawed, backward, disgusting logic, of course, other people who have been othered to exist on margin lines are going to be abused and violated and hurt. And so you see all of these. Um, you know, you already see Delhi is the rape capital of the world. You know, it used to be I believe I mean, Manila, so. and now it's it's Delhi, but you see all of these, you know, caste-based, religion-based sexual assaults that are occurring and they're brutal, you know, they're so much more than just a sexual assault, they are literally an attack to destroy a woman's body. Now, if you've seen, like, India's daughter, for example, the mm-hmm. the, the case of, of, of Jyoti. Yeah. Her entire intestines were taken out with a rod, dude. Like that's not fucking normal, you know? Yeah. That's that's more than a rape. That's a brutalization. That's an attack on a woman's body. And how many men crowded around her like a like a pack of hyenas to feast to devour? That's a literal attack on somebody that just goes that, so far beyond. Yeah sexual assault and just trying to get, you know, your dick up. It's way more than that.
0: That still disturbs me till this day that they did that to her, but I'm not surprised. Um disappointed, yeah, but not there's no surprise there because of the like, you know, that's present in these cities and in mm-hmm. the, like the yeah. community as well, right? Um yeah. I'm pretty sure um, if I remember correctly, it took, like, a sex offenders class, and, like, if they remove, like, a body part, it's, like, a, some kind of, um, I think they get pleasure from it, if I remember yeah. correctly, which is just, like, mm-hmm. insane, and, you know, obviously, yeah. these guys have, like, some sort of, like, psychological disorders, and they need help. Um, Absolutely, and that translates, right? Like, you get yeah.
1: a lot of serial killers in... You can say in Canada, in yeah. the states. Let's let's talk about the states first because you know we'll bring it home from where we're from. You see all these serial killers like Ted Bundy. You see all of these serial mm-hmm. killers like uh, what's that guy's name? The one that Zac Efron played, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, you know the list goes on and on and on. And they're physically removing the labias of women. They're physically yeah. removing the breast of a woman. You know, or they're literally making like a human suit out of women's skin. Like that—that's some like it goes further than that. But like, this is the type of shit people do with women's bodies. And like, when you think about it, like we have been policed and dissected like to the point where can you imagine? Like I'm walking down the street and some dude is looking at me from his car and he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to wear her skin." I'm like, no, bro, go to H and M, go buy an a nice shirt. You don't need to be wearing my right. skin. But like, d- how twisted is that? How to tw- like how- that speaks so that speaks so much about, you know, um, how women's bodies are not our, our own, you know, somebody else will always mm-hmm. own my body in their mind, they can take, 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 take whatever they want from me. And so when you when you have that understanding of the world, it's horrifying, which is why we need to be yeah. doing something about it. Now, when we take it, for example, to Canada, how many missing and murdered Indigenous women, you know, how many, how, how many have gone missing? how many have been murdered, how many will continue to be, you know? And like, this is directly from the fact that there are man camps set up in certain places, you know, where, where women aren't safe. There's literally, you know, women are leaving reserves due to um, uh, systemic issues within reserves that are direct results of colonization in and of itself, going into cities for the first time, being further marginalized in those cities and going missing. You look at Robert Picton and what he's done to how mm-hmm. many sex workers. And yep. then gone and like literally fed their bodies to pigs. It's so much more like it's not just India. It's everywhere. Women's bodies it are is. constantly being, you know, dissected. Our body parts are being removed. It's still happening. Women yeah, get it's still happening.
0: Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like now more than ever it's obviously talked about because of social media because of phones and and on twitter and instagram and facebook um yeah and, and it's so normalized right like yeah when we're talking about the rape
1: case that happened just like last week or two weeks ago like all the yeah. people that were putting up videos of what happened and then being like defending themselves for putting the mm-hmm. videos up like it makes sense because we live in a society that is so sensationalist. And again, this goes back to the fact that we don't have adequate, we we don't want to create adequate language to equip ourselves on how to speak on these things because we would rather see the visual than actually respect, they're, they're, you know? And so what ends up happening in these cases is our language is reflecting our culture again, where we don't have the language we don't create the language, we don't normalize the language to be able to speak on these things. We'd rather have the visual. You'd rather see a woman get humiliated completely to believe her than to listen to her. Because her describing her story will never be, will, will never, ever, ever be sensationalized enough for you. And that's unfortunately it. Like we're so busy sensationalizing things that we're forgetting. Oh, sorry. <laughs> get cut out. <laughs> Sorry, Shivani, you think get cut out?
0: Um, how are you saying about the the Robert Pickton thing about um, you know, he the woman's bodies to pigs. He actually did make uh, police officers. Yeah.
1: I think he did, yeah. 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 Um and they believed him, right? Like they like think about that. Yeah. They're law enforcement and they believed him. So much so that they took a fucking burger from him. Can you believe yeah. that?
0: That's just like, like imagine you're but on,
1: that that tells you everything you need to know, right? Like yeah. it tells you everything you need to know where it's like, of course people are gonna be putting up videos of women getting harassed and getting raped online. Like, realistically, yeah. like, we have a lot of work to do. If we're saying our society is egalitarian, it is absolutely not. It is absolutely not. It may be starting to get there for white women, but it sure yeah. as fuck is not happening for colored women. And, you know, we talk about brown communities, what about indigenous and black communities that are way more marginalized mm-hmm. than our own.
0: You now, yeah. we're a
1: model minority. We exist comfortably in the middle of a social hierarchy, and we're still constantly brutalized. Now, imagine indigenous and black women who every day have to, you know not only deal with you know aggressions within their own communities and trauma in their own communities but then then literally have to like go out into the world in every single aspect whether it's like doing things uh career-wise whether it's interacting Mm -hmm. with law enforcement whether it's you know just trying to get day-to-day shit done have to constantly fight for their life to do so you know deal with such you know macro aggressions on a macro level to do so I wouldn't ever be able to understand that I'm not black or indigenous. I'm I'm very, you know, I'm very privileged <laughs> to be dealing with the problems yeah. that I am in my own community. Cause there are problems that are way, way worse out there. And I fully and truly acknowledge that, you know, I'm probably safer as a brown woman than a woman who may be 25 year olds like 25 years old like me living in, in Vancouver, who's black or indigenous.
0: Yeah, um, definitely the white woman syndrome, um, missing white woman syndrome, as they call it, uh, comes into factors when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, Black and Indigenous communities. We've seen that with, uh, I think it was the Gabby Petito case that happened, yeah. um, where you know she went missing and she was found um, dead, I think it was like, what, a week or two later, maybe like a month, I can't remember. And in that same area, there's um, Indigenous women and girls who have gone um, murdered and missing as well. Um, so that just looks, that just goes to show like double standards and how the cops even treat um, marginalized and vulnerable groups in our in our society. Absolutely.
1: Um,
0: and just to wrap things up, um, one of the most uncommon things that people don't really talk about is marital rape, mm-hmm. and this is a common issue in our community. Many shitty husbands think they automatically have access to their wife's body because they're married. Um, what makes them think? that they're so entitled to women's bodies and they can't take no for an answer or assume they have consent because let's be real, brown men cannot handle it when we say no to them. It drives them crazy when a woman stands up for herself and sets boundaries and knows she's worthy of, you know, of saying no. And so whether women say no or not and in the circumstance circumstance they don't, um, their silence is taken as a yes. What's the issue at hand here and how do we stop toxic patriarchal men from having their ways?
1: I think it's a, it speaks to a larger conversation of the fact that we don't say no to brown men t- yeah. to begin with. Uh, again, it starts with conception and it starts with birth. You know, a g- brown girl will grow up very different from a brown, a brown essentially boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she will grow up to have a lot more restrictions on her. And that's something that's, you know, very common in other cultures as well. Um, but I believe it's a little more so in our own mm. Um you know it's it's true like if you don't have to lift a finger and you're in your privilege in the sense where you will have somebody constantly serving you and you know you your woman's kind of got your back in a sense of doing the day-to-day for you you are going to think that you control her and that includes controlling her body and having access to it at any point of time um so how to deconstruct this it's to start saying no to our boys you know it's to start it's it's to start treating our boys and our girls equally it's also about letting people just be themselves um that's a big thing we are so obsessed with appearances as a culture that what ends up happening is for the appearances we are willing to make the sacrifices that mm-hmm. we should not be making and that includes things like marital rape um, Indian and South Asian, I would say at a larger, I'm only saying Indian because of course that's my origin, mm-hmm. um, doesn't allow for the same consequences of actions for males as, as we do females. And we can extend that we can say, for example, you're looking at how many males in India get away with so much shit. You know, you look at politics and look mm-hmm. at how many are getting away with you know, fraud with, 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 you know, extortion with, with God knows what, like you said, Salman Khan, like the mm-hmm. way, you know, Ashwarya Rai was kind of iced out by everybody for coming out about sexual assault. And this just speaks to a larger conversation again, about how the onus is always on women to educate men.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and what ends up happening is we don't abandon our own communities. We don't support each other in our own communities um, there need to be more resources for women out there. There needs to be more women-centric messaging out there on empowerment, upon educating ourselves, on learning to say no, on learning to set those boundaries. On, on, it's okay to be individualistic sometimes. It's okay to choose yourself sometimes. You don't have to choose your family. You don't have to choose your man's health before your own. Absolutely not. Um, when we begin to start individual, individually respecting each other, And I'm going to say, again, on an individual level, when we start building vocabulary, when we start building language and normalizing it so that way, you know, um, our society isn't so focused on the visual, but rather adequate language that describes sexual assault, that describes setting boundaries, that describes bodily autonomy, that describes what body parts are what accurately, Mm -hmm. that's when we'll begin to change as a society. But for now, it's it just seems to be like this male versus female war that I'm seeing in these social media spaces that I unfortunately do have to monitor quite a bit for work. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It it just becomes mindless debate that just is rooted in absolutely nothing. You're just arguing for the sake of arguing, you know, Um, there needs to be constructive real resources out there backed by community members you know and i'm talking about bands of sisterhoods there mm-hmm. needs to be bands of sisterhoods you know women need to be caught calling out men for their behavior absolutely um unfortunately we do and that and that and we can argue about you know how the labor shouldn't be on us but right now it still is we're, yeah. we're still at that part mm-hmm. unfortunately of the fight but what we're truly lacking is being there for one another in you yes. setting. you're right we need to be able to build sisterhoods and communities and micro communities of women who are there for each other who can support one another who can hold space from one another but there's so many women that protect male abusers there are so yeah. many women who just brush it aside and say this happens to everybody you should have protected yourself you should have done this you should have done that and mm-hmm. it's like there's no fucking way i could have done that dude Mm-hmm. there is no fucking way I could have predicted this dude, you know? And what ends up happening is we just stop trusting each other as women. And so that's also a huge part of it. It's it's about it's about really stepping up and, and showing up for one another. And I'm not seeing enough of that.
0: You're right. I feel like there a lot of best women doing the work constantly. Type you're saying how there's project uh, protective users have come across tons of them. I have one to a lot of little situation at hand and it really to show um, really opened my eyes about when we're working on projects together, um, you know, with documentaries and podcasts and any kind of like sexual assault awareness month and there's a and a lot of these women that I was involved with, um, they were protecting the things like, oh, hey, it's not possible for this guy. To-. He's always talking about um, how we should be treating women. It's like that doesn't mean anything. Um, it's all performative, exactly. Yeah, you can say
1: whatever you. It's so easy to just tweet something like, oh, yeah. we need to be, you know, equals this that. It's so easy to just go and tweet yeah. that. But are you actually? Are you actually? You know taking that mentality and taking that philosophy and applying it to your life in the day to day and there's so many people who don't do that and that's and that's women included right like we aren't tolerant of each other Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we aren't it's it's true like i've in my experience i've probably had more females harass and bully me than males it's crazy i don't understand it but unfortunately, we sometimes are so quick to jump the gun on things, especially, mm-hmm. and I would say in this social justice era, where we're jumping into things without actually doing our own healing first. And that's problematic, because now you're in this traumatized space, you're trauma dumping on other people on top yeah. of that. And there's just, this, there's just this layer, these layers of intolerance that are emerging. Nobody's talking about solutions. Nobody's actually showing up for each other. It's just trauma dump on this side, trauma dump on that side. Nobody's really listening to one another. Nobody really wants to help build each other up. And that is why women go back into these situations. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have that support. They're like, at least, I, whatever, Like, if he's abusing me, if he's doing this, he's doing that. At least he's my husband. At least he's my boyfriend. At least he kind of got my back. Because if I leave him, who do I have?
0: yeah and just like the financial struggles will come with being but well, that comes with being you know like an abusive relationship right Absolutely. um i want to just tie it back with the performative activism as well with how um a lot of women they say that they believe survivors until it's someone that they know like whether it's a close friend um their brother their cousin their uncle their grandfather and then suddenly it's like oh well you're a liar where's the proof where's the evidence and just tying it back that, oh, we need to have proof and evidence to try to justify and our experiences, which is incredibly insane to even think that in the first place. So we really need to do a better job. Like we can say that we support women and we want to create a sisterhood and, you know, all about women empowerment and whatnot. But when it comes to issues like sexual violence, um, that's where people, like, even just violence in general, I want to say violence against women, that's when people mm-hmm. kind of flip the switch and show their true personality because nobody wants to know that there's a predator in their life, right? Yeah. And deal with um their brother being, with their brother who girls at a college party or their dad who um, sexually assaulted so many girls when they're in high school in Canada and got away with it right nobody wants to know these things nobody wants to deal with it and it's like if you're not able to do that internal work inside your own household and call out the men um then what's you know don't come on social media and don't hop on social media saying that you believe survivors and you support people who have been impacted by sexual violence when you can't even do the same thing for like one person
1: absolutely and it also goes to your um just notion that when women do come out about these things we're automatically seen as damaged we're automatically seen as troublemakers as people who cause problems you know and even if we have spent our whole lives negating problems in our in our day-to-day if we spend our whole lives sacrificing needs our wants our desires if if we come out with something um you know that's like hey this happened to me mm-hmm. you are automatically then put in a box yeah if you're not if somebody doesn't believe you you, you have a certain image mm-hmm. that you probably deserve they oh she talks too much oh she's too outspoken oh she doesn't die she can't protect herself like every single aspect of your person gets essentially attacked and if it doesn't you're still looking at looked at differently by your family members you're still looked at differently by your friends there's a sense of sympathy or somebody doesn't know what to really do with you like do I you know in a relationship like
0: yeah.
1: oh she's you know she's been assaulted like now I can't put my hands on her like you still can dude you know it's just happened in our um, so things like this are huge things that we don't even talk about because the debate again, if we didn't see the women, it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. And that's basically wraps everything that we Um, and just someone is sharing their experience on social media, just believe them. Um Thank you so much, Agree, for being um, here today, and I- the time out of your day to record this podcast.